to another episode of the Lone Recruiter Podcast. I'm your host, Brett Clementson, and if you're a recruiter out on your own or just lacking general guidance or assistance, then you've come to the right place. Our episodes are designed to give you the motivation, the strategies, and the advice you need to become the very best Lone Recruiter. So join us, grab a cup of coffee, and let's take your desk to another level now. We are joined by Dave McKillop of Talent Web. How are we going? Good, Daddy. How are you? Very good, very good. Um, we are on our quest to interview 100 recruiters. Dave's with us today. And Dave, give us, since 60 seconds, your background. Yeah, sure. Uh, so I started recruiting in 1999. I came over from New Zealand having finished studying psychology uh, and, uh, look, pretty much wanted to work with people, I didn't really want to work in a business or an analytical type focused role um, and it had a couple of mates who had dipped their toe in recruitment and I think the young people focused sales uh, nature of the industry at that time really stood out for me so I, I jumped in. Very good, very good. And um, are you still recruiting in the same sector? That you I am, in? yeah I am. I was I was purely an accounting temp recruiter back then mm-hmm. uh, and there were some good times particularly when GST came into Australia. Mm-hmm. Um, and now it's more of a dual type type of thing, and I, I probably cherry pick some of the more interesting accounting roles. But yep, same sector. So your so Dave's an interesting one. He's a bit like me, where he, he's uh, a very active recruiter still, but um, owns Talent Web or yep. one of the directors, one founding the directors, and yep. and you've sold down That's over the years. Yep. But um, I think your answers are going to be quite interesting. Let's see, <laughs> so we'll jump straight into it. Five questions today. Here we go. Um, the first one is, if you only had one KPI to to assess your desk, what is that one KPI that matters the most? Uh, yeah, look, I, look I, for me, I, I think it's being really honest with yourself about who's going to buy off you. And I think you need to understand in the next year where uh, um, the majority of your revenue is coming in. I think there's a really loose term um, that, that consultants use of calling people their client, mm-hmm. but but. Uh, without definition. And so I think... They're on my list. That's it. That's it. Yeah, yeah, that's it. So I think, you know, I I really encourage people to to be really honest when they pull their contacts off the database as to whether people are Class A clients. Um, They'll buy off me the next time they have a role. Class B clients, they'll give me a shot with one or two other recruiters or Class C clients who may um, pick up the phone to me if I see they've got a job. Um, in the market and and I think you need to be focused on getting class C clients to B and class B to A and so it's really yeah so the metric is being honest whether the next time a client is recruiting whether they're going to pick up the phone to you Mm. and do you have a a metric around how many A's and B's you want look I so personally I like to think that there are 100 people that would buy off me in a year and I'd like 30 of them to be I would be the first call wow um, and it, it depends a little bit on the size of the business and mm. so on. But I, I think if you're doing that and there's a reasonable amount of revenue in that client, then um, then you've got a desk, right? Mm. You've got income and, and you can go from there. And when you say 100, breaking it down to 30 and, and cascading through, is that as a single desk? Yes. A mark? Yep. Yep. Okay. Yep. Yep. I really like that answer. <laughs> um, two. Okay. So if you can only ask three interview questions to a candidate, because you've run out of time, not that we ever encourage just three questions, but what are the three ones that matter the most? Uh, it's a good question, Brett. Um, oh, look, I think I think it's really important when you get to the closing section of any sales process that you've understood the emotions that have driven 
the initial part of the conversation. So I like to drill down really the, the emotions that people have gone through to decide to look for their next role. And so less about the journey of career development, whatever it might be, and really why they've picked up the phone to a recruiter, answered an ad, whatever it might be, to make that next uh, move because it's a really emotional journey. It can certainly uh, have effects to family life and so on and so forth. And I think when you really understand that, then um, you can apply the right job to that candidate and without sounding too mercenary, you can close them easier at the end. Mm. Um, I think that there are lots of really box ticking, ticking, ticking um, <laughs> questions that we don't ask. Uh, and that's um, location, that's flexibility in the post-COVID world. Um, it's whether they've got big uh, and uh, marriage coming up or big mm. blocks of annual leave or all of these tiny little things that when they um, ruin a placement at the end of it, you think, man, if I'd asked that question at the start, I wouldn't be here. And so I think it's really important that you have you know, five to ten box ticking um, that are really yes/no answers, and if you and, and, and I think a lot of young recruiters really don't realise that when it's not just about moving jobs, like something big is normally happening in their life yeah. to prompt yeah. that move, and it's yeah. not just I want more money or I hate my boss. It might be I'm getting married and I need X, totally. or you know I've got this family thing, or you know what I mean. So yeah, absolutely, I, I'm totally on board with that. Uh, And then the only other one I'd say for more senior level and exec level recruitment is to try and work out if that person's significant other is on board because... I had that today. Um, did you? There you go. There you go. Um, she was not on board. No, no. And uh, and that can be a problem because it's mm. unsolvable by well, the end of the it. process. Yeah. That's so it. so I think if you're dealing with somebody who is either looking at a very senior change or a very profound change in terms of moving state mm. or, or whatever industry, I think you really need to make sure that that person's significant other or others are. Um, are behind that move. Absolutely. And how many how many emails have you written to a candidate with the uh, significant other in mind? Just, yeah, just like, yeah, just, yeah. Just push yeah, this yeah. email to them. This will make that's more it. sense. That's <laughs> it. Yeah, that's it. I like that. That's great. Um, okay, three. What is your favourite, if you have one, closing question? Uh, I like to be in control of the answer, yes or no. I, right. I don't like to go back to a client, uh, sorry, a candidate and say I've got an offer or a client and say I've got a candidate, but and say, um, I've got you an offer, would you like me to say yes or no? So I get the close done, uh, whether I know the client's made the offer or I think they are, I will get on the phone to the candidate and I'll say, this is what the offer's going to be, this is what we've presented at. Uh, if if that comes back to me, I'm going to answer yes or no, and once I've answered yes or no, we've tied in a contract verbally. So I need to know whether you're going to say yes or no, and if they uh, still have questions, by all means they should have questions, I'm not trying to manipulate here, but at that point in time, you get those questions yeah. out of the way. I don't want to be going back to a candidate saying, I've got an offer, it's at this, um, will you accept? So yeah. I need to be accepting the role for the candidate to the to the to um, whoever's offering the role, HR, talent, line, whatever. Um, so I think that's a really important part. I think you, you need to be really clear with the candidate in particular that you're profession and your expertise is in negotiating the best outcomes for them and negotiating contracts, salaries, uh, and then after that, you know, resignations and, and, and notice periods and so on. But that yes, no answer has to be done by you, the recruiter, because mm. it means that you've done everything you should have done to answer all the candidates' question and get the, 
the close done. So if there's any questions and the candidate says, um, I don't know if I'd say yes or no, then you don't present them the offer until it's a yes mm. or, you know, in, a, in, a, <laughs> in another world it's a no, which, yeah. which we all know happens. But that, that's the bit I would say. Very similar approach to, to what I would do. Um, and what I, so you mentioned there that you'll do it pre the client giving you the offer. So there are cases where you won't know what they're going to offer. Uh, yes. So how do you, is it a similar approach? How yeah. do you do that? You just guess? Well, I, well, no, I think it's important even more in that case that you know what the candidate would mm. accept. So when the client comes back at an offer that's less or, or tries to lowball um, the CV, uh, the, the seller amount that you put yep. on the CV, simple CV, that you can then say to the client, I'm, I'm not I'm not sending that to the candidate because mm. they're not going to accept it. Mm. So either we look at another candidate or that offer needs to meet the level that they were presented at. Um, but again, it's about being in control of the yes, no, whichever side you're talking to. And how many of your staff come to you at the 11th hour and go, Dave, close it, help me. Uh, yeah, <laughs> no, we're, we're, we're pretty good. They go to better recruiters than me to oh, do that no. now too. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. That was, that was fantastic. Um, four, question four. How do you handle the dreaded counteroffer? Oh, look, again, I mean, I, I feel like there's a bit of a theme here, but it, it's about getting it out of the way yeah. up front, you know, and, and there's nothing um, innovative about that. It's, it's I, I've got a list of 10 reasons not to accept a counteroffer, and, okay. and particularly if I've headhunted a candidate, I'm happy to share that with them from first interview. Right. Uh, and that's things like, um, you know, 80% of people who accept a counteroffer are looking for another role within six months. Mm -hmm. uh, it's likely that whatever counteroffer you're giving you is really just your next salary raise come a little bit early. Um, is the job title change that you're getting a different role or is it just a job job title change mm. in, in in terms of are you involved more in strategy planning, commercial decisions, leadership, training and development, whatever sort of pushes your buttons, but but what are the real changes that are being offered? Um, but look, I, I think again it's it's about control and, and it also circles a little bit back to that uh, first answer I had around the interview questions, mm. which are really understanding the emotional journey, not not just the technical, pragmatic A to B to C in my career, but how's that person feeling and what rapport have you built with them to have an honest communication? But again, um, it's not 100%. You know, in 23 years, I still deal with counter-offers and I don't, I don't succeed in, mm. in um, fending off all of them. So sometimes you've got to accept that you were beaten and, and you know, life will go on. Sometimes there are just some bloody good counter-offers. That's it. <laughs> That's it. I remember years, uh, like it would have been, I don't know, 20 years ago, um, and, and huge pressure on salaries, very, very low unemployment, very low um, candidate flow, so very similar to now. And, mm. and I was placing a candidate who was on 75-odd thousand, a chartered accountant, to roll at 90, and they're... In the bag. In the bag. In the bag. <laughs> and, they're, um, and their current employer offered them 120, and I was oh, like, yeah. you should... You should take it. <laughs> it's probably. <laughs> I'd love to say something oh, different, but I would advise it you. It hurts so, when you yeah. when you just you just admit defeat. You that's just, it. What that's can I it. Do? Yeah, yeah, I'd, yeah. Be, I'd be a dick if I told you otherwise. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. Have a oh. coffee, a beer, go for a run, whatever, and sit back down, and then you go. That's funny. We we're actually talking about one of, one of the answers you gave just now was one of your. You've got a list of ten uh, uh, reasons not to take a counteroffer. The first one you led with was. 80% of people who accept one are on the market in six months. We're having a little chuckle about that today because we can't actually find the data of where that originated from. All recruitment agencies talk about it. 89% uh, of statistics are beta. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. That one was for you, Pete. <laughs> um, 
All right, final question. And I think every recruiter is here at some point in their career. But how do you pull yourself out of a slump? Yeah, oh, absolutely. I mean, it, it happens to everyone. And, and I've led relatively large teams and, and, and seen all things. I mean, I think the first thing you have to ask is why recruitment is or isn't a, the right role for you. And, mm. and for me, the answers have, have always been um, very clear and very apparent. And, and so if I've made the decision that I'm in the right career, I'm just having a bit of a average time of it um you just get busy Mm. you know you just and i'm sure i've not listened to all your other um uh podcasts brett but i'm i'm sure that the answer was pretty much the same that's it one step that's it and and i think you just need one win you know often i i've got as you'd hope after quite a long period of time uh, a, a relatively long list of people who always talk to me and I always just call five of them in, in, in the course of a day or two and I feel like something positive is happening in there. Mm. You know, we talk about the market or the economy or the mm. kids, whatever, but I think at the end of that, I think actually there is value in the connection, you know, and, and the connection that I have with that person and their business and their career and the connection that I might have with a, a market they're trying to access and, you know, they're always interested in their own, you know, salary comparisons often or or what sort of movement are there in their individual markets. But uh, certainly inertia creates inertia as much as activity creates activity and um, it's sales, you know, it's not going to come to you and, and, mm. and circling back, as I say, if, if it, if, you know, if it's the right career for you, then the challenge of doing that will probably get you out of that slump. If it's not the right career, then um, that doesn't make you a failure. It, it's, it's a, you know, someone once told me that recruitment's the last home of the lonely, the desperate and the insane. And, and if you're neither of those three things, then maybe, maybe there's another <laughs> career, you know, but, um, you know, that doesn't make you a failure. It just means it's, it's a fairly unique way to spend your, your career. I'll say that for sure. Absolutely, absolutely. Dave, that's five questions and all in under 13 minutes. So there we're you done. go. We, <laughs> met the, we met the schedule. Thank you for joining Get us on Recruiter. <clears throat> that's all we have time for you today. As always, click subscribe, uh, follow us, share us, um, give us some comments on Dave, tell us how we did. Um, and if you've got anything out of this, please um, you know, uh, tell your mum, tell your dad, <laughs> tell your friends. Um, that's all we have time for you today. As always, have an amazing day and may all your deals come true.